This is the Partnership Podcast, where we bring you all things business from the Vale Valley, including business news, current issues, advocacy alerts, community conversations, and more. Presented by Vale Valley Partnership. Welcome to the Partnership Podcast. This is Chris Romer with Vale Valley Partnership, and I am honored to be joined today by Savannah Wolfson. Savannah is a candidate for House District 26. She will be on the ballot under Eagle County um, ballot for all the residents in House District 26 here in the Eagle River Valley. Savannah, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, you're very welcome. And let's let's just jump right in. Tell tell our listeners who you are. What's your background? Why are you running for office? Sure. So I am first and foremost a mother of two awesome kids, a girl and a boy ages nine and almost 11. My husband and the kids and I are a hardworking family and we're experiencing the pain and the cost of living in this district as it climbs up and up. So I am fighting for my kids to inherit a state where they can afford to stay here. I am a third generation military spouse and my family is deeply rooted in serving their community. Politically, I actually used to be on the left, and um, I'm a very unlikely Republican. I really felt in my early 20s that the Democratic Party was the party for the poor and the underprivileged, and they certainly messaged well on those issues, but their policies were hurting my family and hurting my neighborhood. Um, My husband's from the Milwaukee area, so that's where we lived when our kids were really little, and the police were defunded there. So one night we tucked our kids in and we were robbed and we called the police and we couldn't really do anything because it took the police five hours to show up and we could just watch and when the police got there they flipped open their notebook took a couple notes about what had happened to us and i never saw my lawnmower again (laughs) because the police were just really focused on people who were in physical danger so um, we started thinking about the policies that we were supporting and then we also started looking into schools when my daughter turned four and our local public schools were failing Um, so uh, we decided to put our daughter into a charter school and the local democratic party leadership called me selfish they said that we were defunding public schools but i actually noticed that a lot of their kids went to private schools And it was a lot of little and big things in my life that stacked up into me realizing I was voting for good slogans, but I needed to research good policies that actually helped families like mine improve our lives. So fast forward to today, we made massive life changes, and I get that the Republican Party has some serious challenges, but I joined to help improve things. And I'm the only candidate that hasn't gone along with my party 100% of my life. And I think we are a very politically nuanced district and state, and people are tired of the partisanship. So now I have a micro dairy with dairy goats and I run a sustainable hobby farm. And uh, before COVID, I was working in Sirocco School District in special education as a paraprofessional. And today I'm a homeschool mom to one kiddo and the other kiddo is back in public school. That's a, it's a great background. And thank you. Thank you for sharing your history that, that led you to run for office. Um, regardless of, of what party, having good people run for office is, is so important to community and it's so important to policy and everything. So thank you for sharing that background and your, and your story. Um, there's, there's some good stuff there and it's compelling. Focusing, you've got a big district. House mm-hmm. District 26 is a big district, but we're here in Eagle County and the Eagle River Valley. Um, and as you do your research and as you door knock and campaign and talk to a lot of different people, Uh, What do you see as the top issue facing Eagle County? 
That issue is absolutely 100% housing, and I am running to heal the rural-urban divide. And I want to point out it's actually an issue we do face all across the entire district. We have some really big and real barriers to housing at the state level and some nimbyism on the local level. That sort of not-in-my-backyard mentality that makes solutions like tiny homes and starter homes really difficult. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about housing in a little more detail later mm-hmm. on. Um, because it's one of the things that, that we certainly agree is one of our top issues, if not the top issue. Uh, but let, let's follow up on your, on your answer there. Mm-hmm. And what, what is the role of government in helping to address that issue? Yeah, there's a few things I believe about the role of government that pertain to housing. So number one, I believe in local control. The solutions in Beaver Creek will not be the same as in Rangeley, Colorado, and I want your local official officials who are closer to where you live and can see the problems in your community up close and personal to be empowered to solve it. So I'm not a top-heavy leadership kind of gal. I'm a personal responsibility, personal empowerment kind of person, and I believe you can solve your problems better than a bureaucrat can who lives 100 miles away and has never been here. Um, But at the state level, I have collected a list of all the recent barriers to housing, and there are many things from the past few sessions that added to the cost of housing. So I brought a list to show you. Um, And for those who cannot see what we're looking at, I brought the 2020, 2021, and 2022 legislative session um, policies that have affected affordable housing. And these are just bills that I'm looking at that have raised the cost. So I wanna take a look at one of them, HB 221018. So going back here in the three pages, that's how many bad (laughs) bills we are dealing with. Did I mix up our, did I give you 1018 twice? I've got 1018. I think I just have 1018 once. Can I look at yours? Of course. Okay. So HB 221018. So this bill is called the Electric and Gas Utility Customer Protection. So it elevates non-paying customers over businesses. The bill places restrictions on the way businesses are able to operate their customer service systems, which will result in increased consumer costs. Utilities are one of the many expenses where Coloradans are seeing a price increase, and this bill adds to the problem. And Excel Energy actually announced that the prices to heat your home will go up 54% in December. So we clearly need a candidate who stood up for good energy policy before running and has stayed consistent on this issue because we have such bad energy policy in Colorado that actually it's adding to an increase in our housing cost. It will cost twice as much to heat your home this winter. Can you imagine what this looks like for families who are already struggling to live here? So I see my role as a state lawmaker is to get out of your way. All of these bills intervened in the private market, and as Reagan said, you cannot control the economy without controlling people. I get five bills to introduce. I actually have them already planned out, and I'm happy to share them, and one of them will be to reduce legislation um, or regulations like this that have made the cost of housing soar. Yeah, and thank you for that, and thank you for the the detail of of specific bills. Mm -hmm. I think that's, it's very useful. Uh, for people to understand the, the nuances that go on to this. And, you know, the folks here in the Eagle River Valley and Eagle County know that the partnership is very active um, with advocacy efforts mm-hmm. on behalf of our community and our people and our businesses um, at the state capitol. So we, we do a, a regular update in our newsletters. And I'm in Denver on a, a fair amount of time and serve on 
some statewide committees, uh, Colorado Competitive Council and others, really looking at the impact of legislation from a business lens and a business viewpoint. Um, and certainly that aligns with some of the things you said with regards to affordable housing. So um, thank you. I think that was a, a really good answer with the, the right role and some of the specifics. I always appreciate specifics. Um, Savannah, let's, let's move on here and let's talk a little bit about what role you see the state having with regards to local grassroots initiatives, mm -hmm. such as the Eagle Valley Regional Transportation Authority or the development of early childhood centers or some of the other community-oriented um, things that, that, that we are working on or other communities around the House District 26 and around the state. When these local communities have a grassroots, business-led, public-private model to try and address those issues, um, should the state government or Eagle County's elected state officials be supporting these types of efforts? And if so, how? Well, I will say I really appreciate that you are working for the Eagle County transportation uh, movement because I'm all for local solutions. And again, I want local governments um, to be empowered so that you have the power to run your own lives and can make an impact on your community like you are doing. So I would love to focus on the childcare piece, though, if I can. Of course. Um, because I am a mom and I experience our childcare crisis. Uh, we really need to get our district back to work. Um, work creates wealth not taxation and I personally know what it's like uh, with the lack of childcare here. So at the state level there are some things that I plan to do. Um, my second piece of legislation will be to lift regulations on licensed in-home childcare facilities and streamline what they do and I have visited multiple licensed in-home childcare centers to look at the regulations they have to follow and it's literally a bookshelf full of rules and um, I am all for protecting the children, the parents, and the providers. And I want to find a Democrat mom on the other side of the aisle who is facing the same issue that my family is facing and go through this list of regulations with experts in the field and make sure that all of our regulations are meeting those needs. So for example, um, if an infant falls asleep in a licensed in-home childcare center, you have to put them into a crib within 10 minutes. So something I loved to do when I had two under two was baby wearing. Um, when you have your baby in a sling and then your hands free and you can take the other kiddo outside in the backyard um, and that, that child is safe. And there's a lot of um, research that shows that baby wearing is really healthy, um, but that is not an available option for our licensed in-home childcare providers. It's actually illegal for them once the infant falls asleep. So you can't take older kids out in the backyard. You can't take the baby out in a stroller and take everybody to the playground. So I have talked to multiple providers and they say things like, I break the law every day or I don't take infants anymore. So I just wanna go through those lists of regulations and make sure that we can do things like baby wear. And I would love to fill up that testimony room with moms like me um, baby wearing their children and showing it's a beneficial thing. Again, I, I think that's a great example and I appreciate the attention to detail um, in some of your answers here. So certainly, um, a very highly regulated, and, and it should be highly regulated, yeah, right? In, in, need, in the right ways, but it regulation. shouldn't be over-regulated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's a, a good way to say that. So 
Thank you for that. I, I promised we would circle back to workforce housing. Um, so let's circle back to workforce housing. And we know it remains a significant barrier to community sustainability, to business growth, to retention of our, our people. Um, how would you work at a state level to ensure that workforce housing can be developed throughout our region? Um, and if you can continue to please be specific and provide yes, examples, absolutely. that would be great. So this is huge. And again, um, looking at our list of bad affordable housing bills, I want to reduce regulations at the state level on building to lower the cost of building that housing. So let's look at HB 21-1286. It's called Energy Performance for Buildings. This one is an increase in bureaucracy around building. It creates a task force with the goal of reducing greenhouse gases by 7% um, in 2026 and penalizes people for not meeting the benchmarks. So the first violation would be $500 and up to $2,000 for each subsequent violation. And by the way, I'm all for reducing pollution. Um, I think though we all need to consider at this point the balance um, because we are pricing out our workforce and hard hardworking families in this district. And when we make life really expensive, who suffers first? It's low-income families and work our workforce. So at first, there are certain people who are wealthy enough to adjust their budget and move on, but this will affect everyone in the end uh, when we push all of our workforce out of the district. And we really need to think about what happens when the costs for contractors go up. They cannot work for free. The added costs are passed off to consumers, so the cost of um, workforce housing units will go up, and then the cost to rent it goes up, and then one of my most important bills will be to reduce regulations on the cost of building. Good. And, and again, I appreciate the examples and the specificity. It, it, I, I'm, I'm sincere there. It's, it's great to hear um, details and not platitudes from candidates, so I'm very appreciative of that. Let's talk about another big issue and barrier to our citizens, and that's, that's health care. Um, in Vail Valley Partnership, we have been working for years, pre-pandemic even, to create what we've called the Mountain Healthcare Coalition, which is a local purchasing collaborative. Um, we've had numerous back and forths with the state and the Department of Insurance um, trying to structure this and, and get this program set up. And it's been very, very challenging. Mm. Um, so I guess the, the, the basic question, um, Savannah, do you support local health care models? And have you done any kind of research on the purchasing collaborative models? It's something at the state house that you'd be willing to support and, and maybe ease some of those regulatory burdens to help communities address this at a local level? Well, now I'm very intrigued and I really want to have that conversation with you um, when we have more time sometime about what your experience has been like working at the state level and why people haven't been responsive to you. Um, it does need to be recognized that there's no silver bullet here. Uh, this has been a cumulative disaster for my entire lifetime and it's become very complicated to untie this huge tangled knot because it's been created by one bad policy after another in healthcare. We simply do not have a free market in essential care. Where we do have a free market is in elective, elective procedures, you know, like the ones that are considered non-essential and they're not covered by insurance. And what has happened in that free market? 
the costs have gone down because the government's not intervening as much. So how interesting is that? So I support increasing the free market with solutions like transparency in medical billing and medical pricing. Uh, the more the government has intervened in healthcare, the more expensive it's gotten. I will be supportive of every effort to increase the availability, quality, and affordability of healthcare, particularly in rural areas where we're lacking resources, including telemedicine. I think telemedicine is going to be very helpful in Colorado's rural areas. It helps us know when we need to access that more expensive in-person care and when we can save a buck and head to Walgreens. Doctors' offices here, by the way, are more expensive to rent, um, so all of that is compounded by the cost of building, um, again, and then increasing local access is really important, so I'm willing to have the conversation surrounding these local solutions and hear more about what your, your experience has been and get the state government out of your way. Yeah, and I, I look forward to having that discussion with you and all of our elected officials as we move forward because it, it's, it's, it's a big, big challenge and the um the system just isn't structured in a way that helps communities help themselves um so we'll have that discussion maybe that'll be a future podcast and we can share with everybody how we're how we're going about that um thank you and i do i do want to credit you for the cumulative disaster that's a great <laughs> it's a great way of 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 saying um of answering that and of of structuring the challenges with regards to these complex issues like healthcare mm -hmm. or like housing or some of the other things you talked about. Um, often they are cumulative disasters. It's mm -hmm. not one decision necessarily. It's, it's over time we add and add and add and it makes it very, very difficult to address these concerns. So the cumulative disaster, I, I love that. I wanted to give you a little kudos for that one. <laughs> so uh, let's continue here and move on. Let's talk about workforce, and let's talk about workforce development programming. Um, and I'm curious what role you think the government has regarding workforce development programming and supporting the training, professional development, reskilling, and upskilling of our citizens in, in this time. Yeah, let's take it down to a local level again. So here in Edwards and throughout our district, we are blessed with community colleges. We have CNCC and Colorado Mountain College, and I have visited their campuses and connected with their admin, and I've asked ways that I can support them. Um, they offer something that's really crucial right now. It's higher education that's more affordable and allows us to get trained while still living in our own community. So you can be 45 years old and retrained in a new job, your dream job, while living in your hometown for an affordable price. Um, so I want to make sure that we are empowering that at the state level. So one bill I want to work on is actually to help out that CNCC Rangeley campus. Um, I was discussing our community college resources with, of all things, the Colorado Dental Association. And they actually brought up that CNC, CNCC Rangeley wants to improve interstate licensing and dentistry so that they can recruit professors from Vernal, Utah, which is their nearest city. As a military spouse, I was really excited by that idea because I know military spouses that can't work once they move to a new state. They're suddenly outside the scope of their licensing, even though they haven't lost any skills. So this is the uh, role of a state representative and we should be listening. We should be breaking down those barriers to your work and business and education and healthcare that well-meaning politicians have set up. Um, but we need it's time to break down some barriers. Workforce development requires us to support these local resources. 
and this is the approach I take, listening to everyone's ideas and doing what I can to help those problem solvers enact their solutions. Yeah, and thank you for mentioning Colorado Mountain College and the, the college system. Um, for transparency, I'm an elected official with Colorado Mountain College. I'm on their board of so trustees. Cool. Um, and I, I, I also... Uh, and we also run a trailing spouse program to help spouses who come in. And not CMC, the partnership runs the trailing spouse program to help spouses come into the community and we help connect them and find them meaningful work mm-hmm. when they relocate here. So, um, yeah, the, the college system and the support of our community college system, of our higher education system and their role with workforce is really, really vital to especially rural communities. Those schools play oversized roles in impacting local communities. So um, I appreciate that, and I'm glad you're connected with, with both of those schools in the district. Um, Savannah, let's talk about a, more of a general question and probably something that you think about often as you're on the campaign trail. Uh, but how can state elected officials or state government how can state government best support private sector job creators? Yeah, so I'm the candidate who believes in reducing taxes, fees, regulation, and government spending to empower hardworking families like mine and small business owners. I am the only candidate who believes in letting the voters decide on tax increases. Um, Our state budget is over $36 billion, and we're spending money on things like electric car chargers, which I love, by the way, Um, but it's something the private sector can build uh, on their own for profit, and I don't believe in having the government compete with the private market because nobody wins in that scenario, Uh, not the taxpayers, not the private businesses. Well, actually, let me correct myself. The unelected bureaucrats are the ones who win in that scenario, but I digress. Anyway, uh, this is a clear contrast in policy belief between myself and the Colorado Democrats. Um, My opponent's first big policy statement was that she wanted to fix the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights to increase taxes for education. And by the way, I wholeheartedly agree that our schools need funding, um, but I think we need to note that we've had one party rule in Colorado for years, and they've chosen not to actually follow through with that. And with $36 billion, imagine what a mom could get done for our kids in education without increasing taxes. Yeah. And let's, let, let's, let's start to wrap this up here. What, what else do you want to share? What, what, what didn't we talk about that you want to share with our listeners? Sure. So the last thing I'm running on, um, so I want to protect rural Colorado and I want to make the district affordable. Um, But the other thing that we don't talk about very much because we we in our mountain towns are very dedicated to making everything look pristine and make sure that nobody knows there's anything wrong. Um, But we have a crime issue here that needs to be addressed. And I have a close personal friend in Steamboat who went through domestic violence and her abuser violated his restraining order 84 times. And then last year, my neighbor's son, who was a young man, died. Um, He was shot by a man who was let out repeatedly on PR bonds. And this guy went on a shooting rampage in my, um, the the neighboring neighborhood to mine and killed my neighbor's son and shot two other people. And then he himself was killed in self-defense. I wanna look really closely at how we issue PR bonds in the state and make sure that we're not issuing them for violent crime. And I also want to make sure they're never automatically issued. So for um, 
for a crime that doesn't meet the Victims' Rights Act (VRA), um, we issue them automatic. We issue PR bonds automatically in my district. So, like, if your car gets broken into or your house gets broken into, but it wasn't considered violent, you automatically are let out on a PR bond. And I think we need more funding for um, understaffed judicial districts, but also make sure that. Um, certain judges can't just do what they want and have more compassion for abusers than they have for victims. Yeah, it, again, appreciate the specificity and I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that, that story. Mm -hmm. That's um, tragic. Mm -hmm. So um, thank you for the vulnerability and sharing that. Well, last question for you, and it's an easy one. It wasn't, it wasn't on our list, uh, <laughs> but how can people learn more about you? What's your website? How can sure. people learn about your platform? and? what you are running on. Yeah, and I appreciate that. Um, I just want to let everybody know I want to be your voice. So I can't be your voice if I don't hear from you, and I'd love to have conversations. So send me a text or um, you can call 970-846-1569. That's my cell phone, not campaign staff. Um, you can go to my website. It's Savannah4, the number 4, HD26, so like housedistrict26.com. Or you can send an email at Wolfson, W O L F is in Frank, S is in Sam, O N is in Nancy, at Savannah4HD26.com. That's great. Savannah, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Um, really appreciate everyone who runs for office. It's a it's a lot of Be work. Be sure to subscribe to the um, and it's really really important to have good people serving. Right and we and appreciate that, that good people are running for our House District 26 seat this year. I really appreciate you taking the time. You've been listening to the Partnership Podcast. This is Chris Romer with Vale Valley Partnership, and we will be interviewing all the candidates for state and local office. And appreciate all of their time. Thanks so much.